Live Life Rare, the podcast to help you discover and pursue what a rare life means to you. And welcome back to another episode of Live Life Rare. And this is a special podcast episode because this is now our first video version of the podcast. And I'm very excited to have as my guest today, Mr. Wes Michael, who is the founder of Rare Patient Voice. We're going to get into uh, what all they do and, and 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 the path that life led uh, West down to creating this uh, this wonderful platform that I'm actually a member of myself. So uh, great to have you with us today, Wes. Well, thanks, thank you, Stephen. Really excited to be here. Okay, so uh, kind of give us a high level view of what uh, Rare Patient Voice is, what it's about, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. So what we do is we give patients. Uh, or caregivers, you know, like a family family member uh, taking care of someone, uh, a chance to take part in in research, to give their opinions, to express their 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 views, um, to help companies that are that need patient input, and and they get paid for it. So we're kind of the the matchmaker, if you will. We 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 we've found patients that are interested, and then we give them opportunities to um, to share their opinions. So has it always been the case that uh, we, we know the development of new therapies and, uh, you know, medications, you know, that's an involved process that certainly uh, requires input from the general population, the patient population, caregivers. But has it always been that there's some kind of two-way street there or compensation for those assisting with that research? You know, I think I think a lot of things have, have developed over the years. Used to be, I'm sure you know, it's not that people didn't talk to patients at all, but for the most part, the pharmaceutical companies, the biotechs, they wanted to talk to the physicians, the doctors. Well, they prescribe, and that's all that really matters because they'll prescribe my products and people. And then over time, you know, they started these ads on TV that go directly to patients. They patients right. have the internet, they have data. People started being empowered to take, guess what, take a role in their own health. What a, what an idea! So companies were like, yeah, no question that the, the doctors are important. We need to talk to patients too, right? Mm. So that that's and that's been growing. You know, um, I go to we go to various conferences and we see folks in this industry, and uh, the buzzword now is called patient centricity. That means putting the patient at the center of what you do. Well, when you're a drug company, they should be right. That's who you're making it for. Uh, you know, they're the ones using your product. So anyway. It's taken a while, but it's come to the point where they actually realize they need to listen and talk to patients, uh, as you say, two, two, two ways, because patients want to hear what's out there, right, and what they might use and decide. But the companies, they can't just do this in a vacuum and talk to a couple doctors. They need to listen. What do people need and how are they suffering? And what, what do they need to be on the drug, right? What services do they need? Um, all that kind of thing. So it really has, has changed over the years. Um, you, you bring up an interesting point. You know, growing up, I never saw ads. There, there were no ads on yeah. television for drugs that you may or may not even need or conditions you've never heard of. Um, you know, per- personally, I have myasthenia gravis, and it seems like there was a there was a watershed moment a few years ago where suddenly the airways. You know, it is filled with ads for my gravis yeah. medications. And, you know, you, you wonder what is the, what's the mentality or at least the, the, the marketing uh, approach to 
advertising to the general population therapies that might be very focused. Yeah. But you know, what, 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 I guess you're seeing those develop into a lot of questions coming to physicians from those uh, commercials. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting things there. First of all, yeah, it didn't used to be legal. It was not legal to advertise drugs. And then, Oh. Uh, they made a change in the 90s. That's when I got involved in a lot of this research with, with companies because they were interested in talking to patients. So it became legal. That, and guess what? It's only legal in two countries around the world, the United States and New Zealand. <laughs> interesting. Um, but um, so, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, they, they have to figure out their marketing because you think with something that's pretty rare, um, you're spending a lot of money to people that don't never heard of it, never will care about it if you're putting it on. Exactly. So somebody must do the math and say, wait a minute, we're still going to reach a few people. I mean, more often, um, yeah, they'll do that for more widespread conditions, you know, like high blood pressure or or diabetes. Okay, that makes sense. Um, right. The, the, the rare ones, you, you think of them more doing targeted things like online, internet, somebody searching for something, they'll see an ad. For that drug, or, or or they'll 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 guide people, uh, or they might go to a publication that's specially geared to maybe an advocacy group for that, and, and they'll you know lead people to their website. But yeah, it's interesting that that uh, that they see the opportunity to 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 in effect spend money really broadly, and because it, it's all about with any company, no matter how much they're saving lives, it's still right. It's about them making money, so they have to figure out a way to do that 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 makes sense. So I guess if they're doing that. They're getting enough people that are asking their doctor that it's that it's working for them, um, but that's and that's that's where we come in a lot. Companies that are developing these drugs, they they won't come directly to us. They'll go to a research firm and say, "Hey, my graphs, we want to we want to um, reach out to people. What do they want to hear? What do they know? if we showed them a description of our new treatment? What questions would they have? Do they understand it? How could we improve uh, how we talk about it?" What services should we? So anyway, they'll have all these questions and say, um, "Let's let's do surveys, let's do interviews with people to find out, and so that we're mm-hmm. not putting an ad out. It's terrible." And uh, and so companies work on that, but then they come to us just for, "Hey, can you get us a uh, hundred myasthenia gravis patients to do a survey? Can you get ten of them to do Zoom interviews? Whatever it might be." And that's where you may be see if you've been invited to some of these. It's like and 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 uh, what people like. Um, is a lot of times they'll show you a um, a description, blinded, right? They won't tell you the name, but a blinded description of a new drug coming out. And it's I call it a sneak preview. It's like, you know, if you scoured the internet, maybe you could find information about the clinical, tr- whatever it might be. But it's nice to have it, have it and then react to it and tell them what you like and don't like. But you get to kind of hear, hey, good news, something's coming down the pike. Maybe it's for me. If it's not for me, maybe it'll help others. Um, it's, it's interesting to see. Mm, yeah, it is. Um, walk us through, you, you kind of talked about from the clinical side and the research side of it. Okay. Walk us through the patient experience. Someone goes to your site, reads about it, said, yes, I have this condition. I would be willing to share some information, be part of a uh, of yeah. some research. They're going to fill out a form and then walk through what happens from that and how they get those opportunities and that sort of thing. Yeah, good, good, good point. So if people can sign up, and people sign up different ways with us. We go to patient events. We've been to a lot of MG walks over the years. You know, that's where we've, we've okay. met. From. Um, uh, advocacy groups. Uh, we have referral partners that 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 um, 
that we refer folks and uh, you know give them the opportunity to sign up with us but anyway so you uh, at some point we people sign up and say i'm here's my name here's my condition here's my most important here's my email because that's kind of how we contact right. people and um and so they're in our database and and security is out you know we got all these things we we're proud to say we're iso certified we go through a lot of things to make sure somebody can't hack in and it's kind of scary because even big companies right you're always hear about things being hacked so hopefully sure. we're under the radar nobody's even trying but even if they do we put in so many safeguards because health you know nobody has a right to see your health information and it's got to be right but anyway so we we do all that and then and then we have it and we don't collect a lot of information we just collect enough to target people. So like if we get a request for hemophilia A, we don't want to ask people with hemophilia B and waste the time. We want to go to the people who have the right one and, and, and target them. So we have enough information. And so a client will contact us and say, hey, we want to do, and they'll they'll have a specific study in mind. We want to talk to 10 of them over the phone, 10 patients of a certain disease or caregivers. We want 100 to do an online survey and it's a half an hour, whatever, they, they, they'll define it. We'll figure out, first of all, we work with them and say, Based on what you're saying, here's how many we think um, uh, will want to participate, and um, and here's what we're going to charge you for them. And um, when they say go ahead, so our step is back to the email. We'll send an email to folks, mm -hmm. and we try to make it as concise as possible. Because if your email is like mine, right? Even though I unsubscribed everything, it gets all this junk, right? And you miss all this stuff. So right. we'll see in the headline as an example. 30-minute myasthenia gravis online survey, $60 reward, something like that. Just right, right, right off the bat, they can see, oh, it's from Rare Patient Voice. I remember them. I, I met them at an event or I signed up. Um, and they have a study. Oh, let me let me read the email to see more. And we try, and, and in the bullet points, we'll say, hey, we're doing a study. It'll give some descriptions. It'll say the payment, because we pay people at the rate of $120 per hour at the time. So if it was 30 minutes, it would be $60, for example. And um so we'll, we'll we'll let people know. So they'll say, "Hey, that sounds like something for me," um, or "I'm busy this week. Uh, I don't want to do it." And if you're busy, we actually give you a box to check that says, um, "Hey, don't throw me out of your panel, but don't send me reminders because you know we might send two or three reminders over the course of a couple of weeks, right. and we don't want to bother." We, the last thing we want is people to hate us, right? So we like to think of ways to mm -hmm. make them. So we 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 say, "Hey, don't don't remind me." Um, but but so many people are like, hey, I want to do this. They need. I, I'd love to talk about this. Or I want to do this survey. So they'll 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 click a button, and uh, on their phone or on whatever it might be, right on the computer, and they'll um, it'll go to a um, what we call the screener. It'll ask you questions to see if you qualify. Right. Uh, and that's that's um, the thing. Somebody will say, well, wait a minute, I had the disease. Why didn't I qualify? Well, they might want people on a certain drug, or they might want people of a certain age, or uh, or they might want people exactly like you, but they just got 10 of them and they and they want other, you know what I mean? So there's reason mm -hmm. people don't qualify. And that's the biggest complaint we get. I don't qualify. And I feel so bad because we don't we don't want people to feel like that. But it's it's not personal. It's just whatever the client right. looking for. But they go through that. And then if it's an online survey, if you pass, right, you start the survey right then and you click and you answer questions. If it's an interview, they'll... Um, uh, you can schedule a time and then you work it out to, to, to uh, pick a time that works for you and you'll mm -hmm. be on with a real live person and talking, you know, and able, able to, uh, to give your opinion. And then as soon as you're mm -hmm. done, um, uh, they confirm your information. We always ask people again, we have people's address, but we ask again, because what have you moved, right? Cause we pay by check. Right. 
and we mail a check or or can be now now there's some electronic transfers if people want that we'll we'll do that too but um um so we'll we'll uh when the pro and then the project's done uh the each project has a project manager from our site so if anybody has questions they'll get an email that's the person they ask because they know all the details they'll say well can you change my time right. at three o'clock but it's four o'clock works or or I, I got hung up in online can you reset it or, or whatever problem somebody may have fortunately not often but you know how the things go right <laughs> there's a lot right. possibility for problems and uh so the project manager when when they're done he figures it out okay we got these here, here are the 10 people they completed it and then they put in for their payment and the and, and the money goes out to those folks um so it's a it really works like uh, over the years we've developed a system i think it works quite well we have ways for people there's any problems please ask we like to pay people as fast as we can that's that's people they they deserve it sometimes you know some people are on disability they need money for mm -hmm. rent around the holidays right especially there's uh, you know there's always there's uh money that needs to be spent around the holidays so um we try to try to do that as fast as possible and get them out so every week you know every friday the, the project managers submit that and they put it all in and usually get, they get me out of that tuesday and as fast as the postal service can to get them to people's um, mailboxes okay well i have uh i've personally participated in some surveys and uh you know the process is very intuitive Okay. and uh seamless and um yeah you you guys do pay the patient very promptly and that's good i don't touch on um you mentioned something about the uh being um denied or you know you you're not, you're not yeah. gonna be part of a, of a survey and i have um i have had that experience and i felt that maybe sometimes it's might be tied to occupation for instance um there was one in particular that i applied for and He'd ask if you were like in marketing, if you work, you know, with uh, an agency yeah, or something yeah. like that. And we owned an agency and it didn't say why, but you know, that uh, got denied there. And I felt like, you know, that might've been it. Cause they were looking for people that don't think like a marketer. Yeah. You know? And then uh, just recently, as a matter of fact, I think it was this week. Um, there was one that just closed before I could get to it. You know, they uh -huh. had too many people or, you know, have what they were looking for time frame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I get emails a lot and it's, uh, it's a lot of good opportunities. I think, like you say, for people to earn extra money, but to also contribute. Yeah. Talk, yeah. talk about that a little bit too, how this provides caregivers and patients an opportunity to contribute to the overall field of the study. Yeah. I mean, that's when we ask people why they participate, that's the first thing people say. They say, I feel like I'm helping. Either it doesn't help me. Maybe it'll help those coming after me and then they go oh by the way the money's nice so it's not just people are uh do it for the money don't care it's it's what's more important than you and your health or your kids health or your parents you know your your loved one and and so people love to do that and, and express their opinion and learn about new things and and i say the, the money is nice uh not just to reward people for their time but it actually makes their opinion more valuable because think about it if you're a bi biotech or pharmaceutical company or something Mm -hmm. You're going to pay more attention to what you paid for, right? Than when you got free. You know, you just you just put more Good value point. on it, and and so I, I think it does a service to to, to actually have the have the people paid, and it makes makes people sit up and pay attention uh, to do that. So that that is so important. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, you made made me think of because we do feel bad when people don't qualify for well, two things about that. As you can imagine, we can't say specifically what 
what um, you should do to get in, because then some people might, you know, stretch the truth and, and, and change their answers. So we don't want to do that. Sure. Um, but what we do is, is um, if you run into that case, like, like maybe it was because you're marketing, you can actually ask your project manager. Now, it, won't it usually won't change the outcome, but a lot of people tell us they feel a lot better knowing. Because they, so because I'm older, because of the, and you can imagine people in healthcare often, and, and healthcare is a huge industry. So a lot of people are in healthcare. Uh, mm -hmm. We had one years ago, and a woman said, "My husband worked as a janitor in a hospital 30 years ago, so she checked the box in healthcare." And it's like that's certainly not going to affect their opinions. Well, I was working on that project. I went to the client. They go, "No, we'll we'll let him in." So sometimes you can um, you can challenge that because they're they're getting a little carried away with their with mm -hmm. their. <laughs> um, uh, what we call screening criteria and quali what qualifies you or disqualifies you from 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 taking. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so it's always good. People can ask about it. If it, uh, it makes them feel better. Or again, maybe they'll get a change depending on how open-minded the client is. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that it's um, it, it's a wonderful testimony. I know there are plenty of other diseases out there, but I'm I, I look, of course, through the lens of MG. Just in the time that uh, I have been diagnosed, which was uh, in 2014, so this fall will be 10 years when I got my diagnosis, wow. I have seen such advancement in treatment. There's so many more treatment options now for MD. And if you start paying attention to the advertisements on television, it's not just MD. There are yeah. a lot of conditions that new treatment options are coming available. And we have to remember as a patient community, these advancements do not happen without all that research behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a long time. Uh, you know, I was just looking. Somebody was asking what, are, what uh, some of the top um, conditions and diseases we've been working on. And there's so many because thousands of different different ones. But when I totaled it all up, you know, for the past year or so, MG was at uh, one of the top, top ones. Um, Interesting. And I always say, too, you know, when we have a, a study, when we have an email sent out to people, that's good news. You know why? I mean, somebody's doing something because nobody's paying to do a study for fun. They're doing it because they're working on a treatment. And I don't know if the treatment is like that much better or that much better, but at least somebody's working on something. And I feel mm -hmm. good if, if there's been a lot of work uh, requests we've gotten. It means there's different companies working on different things. And as you exactly. say, we see the ads. So uh, what what that's what, what we can ask, you know, keep keep working on it, right? Until until somebody figures out cures. And I know a lot of these things, there's no cures and we want to treat, but Someday there will be. Someday we'll look back and say, geez, you know, weren't we? We were living in the Stone Ages. It's so good. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and just, you know, when, when I was diagnosed, treatment was exclusively, for, for the most part that I know of, yeah. uh, dealing with the symptoms. Yeah, yeah. You were strictly dealing with the symptoms. And some of the newer therapies now are really trying to address the core of the, the, the disease and change the change the mechanics you know what's going on in the body yeah, as yeah. opposed to just dealing with the, the effects from that so yeah, yeah. yeah fast forward another 10 years it's exciting to think about where we might be yeah a lot of these diseases are 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 uh, caused by different uh, genetic issues and now they're learning you know some of these they're learning to cure some of these you know but so who knows what we'll be able to, to figure out um just have one step at a time, right? And there you go. There you yes, go. Yes, success. So, uh, and, and I have to say, uh, people say, I feel so good participating in research. And sometimes the research was what color is the best for their ad? 
And I'm thinking, well, that didn't save anybody's life, but people feel really good about contributing to that as well. So it's, it's, it ranges the gamut, right? So. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's important to note, I, w- I want to emphasize this, can you talk about this, that when Rare Patient Voice started, of course, you were almost exclusively focusing on rare diseases, yep, but yep. you've expanded well beyond that now. Yeah, when we started, I just made an assumption that if some if 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 companies were looking to talk to people with more mainstream conditions, diabetes, um, uh, high blood pressure, uh, you know, high cholesterol, that they would find them because there's panels that have people that eat Cheerios and drive Chevys, and they would have people with diabetes. <laughs> um, but then two things happen. One is, unfortunately. Rare is the person who only has one condition. Because so, so somebody with hemophilia would sign up and say, should I also put down my asthma, for example? And yeah. I used to think, hmm, or my friend here, can he sign up? He's got you know, lupus, or no, that's rare. He's got um, anxiety, or whatever it might be. And, and when I was considering that, um, all of a sudden a client called and said, by the way, do you have asthma patients? Uh, and I'm like, okay, I'm saying no to nobody. If people... Uh, want to sign up with that. And if clients are interested, who am I to say? No, I just had to assume. So I didn't want to change the name because the focus, the, the focus on rare, but we added a tagline. If you look at our website, it's, it'll, it says rare patient voice, also non-rare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that rare and non-rare. So yeah, so over time, um, we, we've done that. So we welcome people um, with any and all conditions and we welcome people when they sign up so say somebody's at a, a an MG walk, we'll say no, list all your conditions because you can be invited to, to surveys for other topics as well, whether it's whether it's whether it's rare or not. And then if people refer other fr- friends, relatives, support group members, um, they can be you know, if the grandmother has type two diabetes, have her, you know, we're, we're, we'll welcome her. It doesn't have to be so, someone someone with rare. So we've um, we've opened opened our arms wide for everyone. Mm. Wes, tell us a little bit about the uh, the path that got you to where you are today and how, how the Rare Patient Voice was launched. Yeah. Um, so I was a market researcher. I used to work uh, for General Mills. I did market research on things like Cheerios and Wheaties, right? And then I, I worked for um, McCormick, the spice company, you know, so the gourmet spice products and, and spaghetti mixes and all that kind of thing. And then in the 90s, where where, where those ads became legal, um, I was looking for something a little different, and I got into health, what they call healthcare market research. And it was at the same time that these, I said, they made these ads legal. So I got involved in doing consumer research um, in those days when when most of the companies were doing physician research, right? They're talking to doctors, and that's mm-hmm. where I found one patients were interested in sharing their stories. But what really gave me this idea was a client came to us, the company, and said. Um, uh, they were in the hemophilia space, and there were there were even fewer hemophilia patients then because you know a whole generation was wiped out when if they take a blood um, a blood product, a blood factor product, and think about it when in the early days of uh, HIV and AIDS, they didn't realize to screen that out of the blood, and uh, really a whole generation was wiped out from that. It was just a horrible mm-hmm. situation. But this was after that, and they had better treatments, and they said. We need to learn more about our patients. We want to, and their families, because at that point, so many of them were young boys, and and we want to learn more so we can appeal to them more. Um, can you create a panel, a database of patients and caregivers with hemophilia, and so we can do surveys and interviews and really learn what they're thinking and, and really get into their heads and really help them? And so we did. We went to the National Hemophilia Conference 
and set up a table and had giveaways. And it wasn't online or anything. It was people signing up paper and pencil. And it worked. We got a lot of people that were interested. We did a lot of interviews and surveys. And uh, and that was worked. And every year we go back to the National Hemophilia Foundation and set up our table because they moved around from city to city. So it was a great time, great to meet new people each time. Mm-hmm. But a couple of years into that, I was at one of those hemophilia conferences and a client from a different hemophilia company came up to me and said, I hear you have this, this patient panel. Can we access it? In other words, can we, do you do surveys for us? And I'm like, no, I mean, client A paid for it. You know, that's exclusive to client A. You can't give it to client B. But that gave right. me the idea. It's like, why not create a group? It's not exclusive to pay out company A or company B, and they can work on anybody. And I had that idea for years, and I kept thinking about it and said, there's definitely a need because people more and more want to talk to patients. It's not necessarily easy to find. And again, I was thinking rare patients at the time. And I had that idea for many, many years because that was around the year 2000. And then in 2013, this is when I found the rare patients. In 2013, everything came together, kind of forced me to do it. Uh, the company I was working for ran into some cash flow issues and asked me if I could work a few months without being paid. Um, and my wife had been out of the workforce raising our kids. And uh, she had started to look for a job. And she found a, a local one. And it was all about having health care then, right? Because you want to make sure. And the kids were like right. 11 and 12. So they were old enough. And I said, okay, wait a minute. You go start your job. It was the summertime. I'll be home with the kids. We haven't made plans for it, but you know, I'll start. I'll be around around here as I get this thing started. And um, and so then you, I picked a name, and the first thing I did was just at hemophilia because I had done it before, and and I'd been involved in that category, and I knew there was a lot of things happening and interest. So I went to the hemophilia conference again, uh, this time under the rare patient voice name, and and started um, you know telling our story and recruiting patients. And our very first project was somebody called right around then and said, do you have any hemophilia patients? Like, Bingo, you got us at the right time. And that was our first project. So it started from me alone doing hemophilia to, to now we've got 1,500 diseases. Uh, we've got 42 people, uh, groups that just run the projects, groups that work and go to all these patient events and work with the referral partners and such. And then groups that work with our clients and, and get to give them the proposal, the costs and the feasibilities. And um, and we've done 9,000 some projects. And then the thing I, I like to uh, mention the most, and we pay patients now over $13 million for taking part in studies. So it's a little, Outstanding. You know, uh, a little, a little Robin Hoodish there. I mean, I love our, I love the clients, but we're taking some money. They have, they value the patient's opinion and it gets into the patient pocket who, who can really use it. So, and then we charge them. We're, 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 you know, so it's a win-win. We like it. The patients like it. And the clients love that they get. And that we get compliments over and over again. You, you think it's funny. They go, we love the patients. Like, what do you mean? Well, they're real. There's a lot of fraud in this in, in market research. People pretending hmm. to have a disease to do a study to make money. And now you can use AI and bots and things. And people tell us, we love your patients because we've met them. We've worked with advocacy groups. We, 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 you know, we don't, we're not just online letting everybody check boxes to make money. We, we take care. And so clients like that. So it's worked out, it works out really well. We, we've avoided some of those problems, but we've been able to, you know, reward patients and um, keep them coming back for more. Right. So That's excellent. It's a, this is a classic case of everyone wins and you have a, yeah. a wonderful business model here. That's helping it's, a lot it's of people. Really well. and, and you know, one thing that I certainly didn't plan at all that worked out so well is, is I talked about our, our staff of 42. So when it first started, it was just me. And then, um, 
as I would get busy, I would bring people on. Well, uh, we started going to these patient events, right? And I'd go around the country and and it would mm-hmm. actually it was great. So my kids, again, if they were 11, 12 at the time, one of my kids would come with me. There'd be a, an MS walk in the morning. And then we'd have weekended tour Chicago. Or I remember going to Albuquerque with my daughter. So we would go around to these events. Well, over time, we obviously meet a lot of patients. Some people said, hey, how can I help? What can I do? Well, we brought on a lot of patients and caregivers as part-timers to go to a, an event in their city. And so they might go to three or four a year. We would send them the tablecloth and the signs and the clipboards and and who better than the patient to say, it's like you saying, I've done it. And they connect emotionally. There's like, hey, I'm a patient with this. Right. I'm a mom of a kid with that. And, and, and it was terrific. Well, the thing I didn't plan on was not only did that work out, some of those folks said, wait a minute, what more can I do? Or do you have any full-time opportunities? And at that point, you know, you see who's got something on the ball, right? And mm-hmm. so, and we, we need a new project manager. And we'd offer full-time opportunity. And so, I don't know, half of our people have come through the rare disease community as a patient or a caregiver, they get that side of it. They've been there. And, and then and, and as an as an employer, they've they know us because they work with us part. We know that, you know, there's no better way to hire somebody than, than you know than they're working for you a little bit before. So it's not just based on some interview. Yeah. And so it's really worked out well. We've had a wonderful step. In 10 years, we've only had three people leave us and two of them it was wonderful. They end up being very good clients. They went to other companies and they became clients. So they got opportunity that we couldn't give them. So we, we, it's, I don't know. We, it's, it's a wonderful thing. We've gotten great people and they've been part of the community and, and, and um, they love it because they, we get people from their referrals to, and, and mm-hmm. uh, they're a better bunch of people. I never knew. Outstanding. Well, Wes, how can patients get in touch with you and tell us about the website and let's, uh, Talk yeah. about how they can engage. Yeah. So the, the easiest and best way uh, is, is the website. It's, it's rarepatientvoice.com. Or if you Google rare patient voice, it pops right up, fortunately. And we put as much information there that we can think of. But please, if anybody has questions, we list emails there. Um, there's a lot of pages with stuff. We love it when people have a question uh, about, about things like that. So I encourage people to go there, spread the word if they're interested in signing up, as you did. There's buttons there that say sign up, and you'll see they'll ask you, uh, again, not that many, enough questions so that we don't waste your time. We know what your disease is and your email and, and your address and your gender and, you know, the various things everybody always asks. Um, right. So we encourage that. Uh, if people um, uh, people can see my email there, I'm always happy. I'd love to get emails from folks. Um, we do a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, the company has a big Facebook presence. Um, uh, and patients will see us there so they can look at Rare Patient Voice on, on, on Facebook. From a business perspective, we do a lot of LinkedIn. A lot of our clients we find there. And advocacy groups, too. And you can find me there, Wes Michael, on, on LinkedIn. I'm always happy. I'm always looking. You know, people have questions. So there's a lot. We, we try not to put any barriers up, right? There's a lot of ways to mm. find us, ask questions, get a hold of us. So I appreciate, appreciate people uh, trying to do that. That's great. Well, my guest today has been Wes Michael. He is the founder and CEO of Rare Patient Voice. As he said, there you find it on rarepatientvoice.com. And uh, go on over there, check it out. And patient, caregiver, or a provider, pharmaceutical company, reach out to Wes, and uh, he's going to help make some connections. Thanks for being right. here today, Wes. Thanks a lot. Tell, tell them, if you sign up, tell them Stephen sent you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Stephen. Live Life Rare is part of the Rare Life Podcast Network. This has been a production of Rare Life Media.